On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I answer questions about optimism, about my younger self, and about the lessons I have learned from Tinder. Hey, what's going on? I hope you're well. Welcome to this episode number 21 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. For 52 weeks between the ages of 24 and 25, I'm going to be recording and releasing a weekly podcast to see just how much my life can change in a year. This is a story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and it's a completely honest view into my life as I take on some fairly unusual things. And this episode right here is all about week number 21 in that journey. Um, I have to be honest, this is the second time recording this. I am annoyed at myself because I normally put my phone, well, I normally turn my phone off when I record these podcasts, actually. But this week, put it on silent, so put it on do not disturb, texts don't come through, emails don't come through, but I forgot that phone calls do. So I have my microphone directly in front of me my phone was like 20 centimeters from the microphone and somebody phoned and um yeah just it wasn't great so we're going again it's okay I didn't get too far into it but nonetheless I hope you're well welcome back welcome along if you're a first time listener um I have to be honest this has been a really uneventful week it's probably been the least eventful week I've had in this whole period since starting this podcast and I don't have an awful lot to tell you about this week so I mean really it's just been sleeping, working, eating, sleeping, starting again. Um, What's happened this week? What can I tell you about before we get into some questions which by the way is what we're going to be doing this week. I am going to answer three questions. One about optimism one about what I would tell my younger self, and one about Tinder. But before we do that, what can I tell you about this week? Um, If you listened last week, you will remember that I ordered a kitchen dining table bench as as an alternative to a a gym bench, Um, and that turned up. You'll remember I said that gym benches right now cost in the region of £200 because everyone's at home and gyms are closed and supply and demand and so on. And they also take weeks and weeks to turn up. Whereas this thing, it cost, I think, £56, £57. It turned up in three days. I put it together. It's made of some nice oak. It's solid and it does the job. So that is my second isolation win. I've made a a makeshift stand-up desk out of two coffee tables and some cable ties that works really well and now I have a makeshift gym bench made out of well a bench and it does the job so that's a win and then really the only other interesting thing I've been up to this week and it's probably quite niche and nuanced but I have been intentionally trying to further develop my copywriting skills during this period so if you go back to 10 years ago when I first started my first real business Corby magazine right the way through Magnate into Dream 
both in the work we do for ourselves to get new customers and also in the work we produce for our clients. And even with this podcast where I script most of it, actually this episode isn't scripted because there's not a lot to talk about, but generally I will script it right. Everything that I have done for the last 10 years in one way, shape or form revolves around copywriting. And don't get me wrong, I have definitely developed in that time. Uh, The output that we've produced on behalf of our clients over the years has generated literally millions of pounds in sales and leads. So it's it's good copy, but it's probably the one area that I have the biggest opportunity to develop further because think about it right with marketing. Um, a fast website is great. A, a good piece of targeting on some advertising is great. A nice design is great, but ultimately it's, it's words which sell to customers. And uh, it... <laughs> The better you can get at writing copy, the more effective you are at selling anything. And essentially, that's what we do for our customers and for ourselves. We are in the business of writing words that sell. And then how you deliver those words is secondary at that point, right? Uh, So I've been doing that, which, let's be honest, you probably don't care about. So let's get straight into these three questions. Like I said, I got one about optimism, one about what I would say to my younger self, and one about Tinder. So normal bit of context here, I stuck up a sticker on Instagram on my story basically saying, ask me absolutely any question for this podcast. And of the responses, I picked my three favourite questions. And the answers to these are just completely off the top. There's no notes, there's no uh, pre, uh, pre-collected thoughts. This is just me thinking out loud. So Here we go. I'm going to get straight into the first one, which is how are you staying optimistic during these wild times? And the reason I picked this question is because I do think I am disproportionately optimistic about what is, by all accounts, a shit situation, right? I'm not blind to the fact that, uh, you know, it is a dire situation from a health point of view and tens of thousands of people have died, tens of thousands of families have lost loved ones. I'm not blind to that. I recognize that. And I recognize that uh, myself and my family and everybody around me is equally at risk. I'm also not blind to the fact that the economy has taken an absolutely massive hit already, more so than in the 2008-9 recession. And I'm not blind to the fact that business is going to be very fucking challenging for the next 6, 12, 18 months. And also from a social point of view, I'm not blind to the fact that I haven't seen any of my friends or my dad or extended family in weeks and weeks and weeks. And like everybody else, I've been sat at home with uh, not a lot to keep me socially connected, right? I'm not blind to any of those things, but it comes down to what I said a couple of episodes ago uh, with the conversation I told you about with a friend of mine, where I basically broke it down to this. I asked myself, what is the alternative, right? I am blessed, I suppose, to have a, and you know, I take no credit for this. This is just who I am as a person. I don't, I don't suggest that, that other people can or cannot 
manipulate their minds in this direction. I simply don't know, but I'm blessed with the, with the fact that I'm fairly optimistic. I always look for the good in a situation. I always look at what I can learn from a situation and I always try and focus on the things that I can control. And like I also spoke about a couple of episodes ago, the only two things that all of us can control are our thoughts and our actions. And so with those two thoughts together, asking myself, what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is being miserable and understanding that all I can control in this and indeed any other situation is my thoughts and my actions. Well, I'm left with no option but to be optimistic because I can control how I perceive all of the things that are happening through my thoughts and then I can control what I do about that through my actions. And so much like many other people in this situation, I'm just trying to use every day that we have in this this weird period to be productive, to push the needle forward, to do something worthwhile, to try shit out. Even silly things like cutting my own hair or building this stupid makeshift desk. Like They're things that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do if life was flying past as usual. And then beyond that, I think that it's there's, there's a quote I like which is this too shall pass couldn't tell you who said it I've just seen it on the internet and it's always stuck with me this too shall pass is a quote which I tell myself in my head silently during any shit situation you know because uh, think about the think about the time in life when you were most scared or most worried or most upset Uh, If you can actually picture that in your mind, it was probably fucking terrible. It was probably unbearable. You probably couldn't see a way beyond that situation. And whilst for some of us, the, the scars and the baggage from those situations remain, the situation itself passes. And this is something I've had to teach myself uh, both over the long term uh, with situations in business and things with my dad, for example, but also in the very short term. So back when my dad was at home and there were incredibly challenging days or nights where, you know, it was just a, a constant tug of war of repetition and not really knowing how to settle him. The thing I kept coming back to and the thing that I continue to come back to is understanding that any situation, no matter how bad, does pass and we can look at case studies from our own lives where we can think about those situations that I just asked you to think about and recognize that they pass and so there are two sides to this the first is understanding that there is a lot that I can control and a lot that I have to be grateful for my health my house my business food in the fridge the health of my family and so on And then the other half is recognising that whilst there are downsides here, whilst there are negatives, it's going to pass. And so when I put those two things together, I can't help but feel grateful and therefore in turn, because I feel in control, optimistic. And um, yeah, I I don't know what else to say on that. It's a hard question to answer briefly. Um, I went onto a Zoom call a couple of weeks ago with somebody I know from years back called Louis Cole, YouTuber, uh, fun for Louis, food for Louis, you might know him as. And it was a group chat on Zoom of six or eight people from all over the world. And it was just this kind of unplanned discussion between strangers 
uh, headed up by Louis. And he was asking the question, how much in control do you feel of the current situation? And people were understandably talking about huge kind of big picture, zoomed out aspects of this situation. How do we stop the virus from spreading? How can we ever leave our houses? What is going to happen to businesses? All of these big, completely valid, but big questions. And they were all saying to Louis, I feel incredibly out of control of my life. I feel like I just cannot control anything that's happening. And then I I unmuted myself and I chipped in to these strangers. And I said, shit, I feel more in control than ever. Because, and it's, it's things I've spoken about on previous episodes, right? Because I don't have the office to go to and in-person meetings and travel and all of these different things, I can concurrently, I can control almost every variable in my life. From when I wake up to what time I get ready to the hours I work to when I schedule meetings to the food I eat to when I work out to when I go to bed and so on. And when you focus on what you can control, when you focus on the small things that are directly in front of you and often overlooked and pay little attention to things outside of our control, it's hard not to realise that actually things aren't so bad. And so that's probably, probably, why I'm so optimistic. I'm not sure if that gives anyone any value. It's a bit of a long-winded answer, but it's my truth. That's, That's just how I feel when it comes to answering that question. Thank you, Chaz, for the question, and thank you for listening. I know that you have tweeted out links to this podcast a couple of times in the past. Um... Yeah. Cheers. Thanks. Cool. So second question is from Kevin, another OG listener, somebody who has been around since the beginning. So thank you, Kevin, for listening and for the question. And the question is, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was essentially, what would you say to your young, what would you say to your younger self if you could go back in time? And this is either from a personal point of view or a business point of view. Now, I would probably approach this from a business point of view because I have beef with a previous version of myself. Nothing serious. I just, I think I arguably wasted good opportunities when it came to business by focusing on the wrong things. And this is something that I spoke about in episode one when it comes to Magnate, right? For those of you who don't know, Magnate was a free men's lifestyle magazine that I ran in London We launched in November of 2012 and we interviewed people like Sir Richard Branson, uh, Connor Maynard, Rich Free 2, I can't remember anyone else. It was was, was a good little business, right? We printed, I think it was 10,000 copies, had some good advertisers, made a bit of money. But truthfully, I let the idea of being an 18-year-old with a business in London, interviewing cool people getting free products, going to cool parties. I let that get way ahead of really focusing on the the nuts and bolts of running a business. And I think it's a shame that it took me so many more years to learn some of the, the fundamental business lessons because I was too focused on outwardly projecting this picture of being a business owner rather than quietly working on owning a business if that makes sense right so and I look I see it so much now probably more so now because suddenly running a business is this 
glamorized thing that's put on a pedestal, right? Because of people like Gary Vaynerchuk, where everybody wants to tell the world how busy they are and how successful they're going to be and all of these big things that they're going to do and look at me, I'm in the office at 2am and holy shit, I'm working so hard and wow, look at this. And they don't focus on doing the basic things. They don't focus on running a business. They focus on talking about running a business. And the reason that it bothers me when I see people do that is that is exactly what I did for two or three years. I had an incredible business opportunity in front of me. Now, that's not that's not to speak to the potential viability of Magnate. At the end of the day, it was a print magazine in 2012-13. So it probably was destined to fail in the long run anyway. However, I think that there were many lessons in business that I could have learned at the time that I didn't because I was too busy trying to get a selfie with people from Maiden Chelsea and going to parties and tweeting about how busy I was and Snapchat story. Do you know what I mean? I was so busy looking to show that I was running a business that actually the last thing I got around to doing was running that business. So I think if I could go back to my younger self, and this kind of extends to both business and personal, I would say focus on the basic things. And it is what I bang on about all the time, right? With things like getting enough sleep and drink enough water and eating a relatively good diet and not being glued to your phone and all of these simple things. But that too can extend to business. It's about focusing on the simple, uh, you know, there's the 80-20 rule. I truly believe that 20% of what we do as business owners contributes to 80% of our success. And that 20% is the boring stuff. It's the stuff that nobody cares about. It's the stuff that doesn't make good Instagram stories and is hard to brag about at parties. But it's what determines whether or not your business lasts. And it's one of the reasons why Magnate didn't. So I would go back and I would tell myself to focus on doing the work rather than showing how hard I'm working on the internet and not working. And then the last question, (laughs) so this actually came about from a joke question which turned into a conversation in DMs, which then turned into this question. And it is from Wick, who's a friend of mine who I've known for about four years now, but who I actually met initially through Tinder. And so this is a question about Tinder, and it is, and I think this is a banger of a question. What life lessons has Tinder taught you? And uh, I mean, lessons is pluralized there. I can only think of one lesson it's taught me other than the fact that I am shit when it comes to having the attention span to have good conversations with people on Tinder. That's another story. Um, I think what Tinder has taught me is that, I mean, shit, I've been using Tinder for five or six years, I think. And in that time, I have probably only really had real good conversations which have led to friendships with like what four three or four people and in that time I've probably spent hundreds of hours in the app I have probably swiped tens of thousands of people I've probably started with shit small talk thousands of conversations I've probably got the number of a hundred people I've probably gone on like four tinder dates and that has led to 
two or three friendships. Good friendships, people I consider friends even to this day, including Wick. But I think it speaks to the point of shortcuts and looking for convenience, right? So if you were to look at our grandparents, for example, they would they really had a handful of options when it came to who they ended up in a relationship with. It would be someone they went to school with or someone who lived in their immediate area or somebody they met through some sort of social club or somebody who was a family friend, really. If you boil it down to the opportunities they generally had to meet new people, it was very, very small. And then with our parents... Not all that much different. Maybe things like university came into the mix. Maybe things like travel slightly more. Uh, depending on the age of your parents, maybe even things like uh, like the very early dating agencies, websites and so on. But really, they didn't have a big pool of people to pick from either. So both of those generations, they had to go out and do the hard and the uncomfortable work of approaching somebody out of the blue and starting a conversation and going on dates and having to get to know them and all of those things, right? Sound really fucking inconvenient for our generation who get everything on demand, who can Amazon Prime or Deliveroo or Uber anything immediately. The thought of having to actually put work into something just sounds like a a nightmare. So we have reverted to an app which promises convenience. It promises immediacy it promises you the outcome without the work which is something our generation loves but actually when you look at it when you really boil it down if you you look at it from a numbers point of view with those six years and those tens of thousands of swipes and thousands of matches and hundreds of conversations and dozens of text threads which boil down to absolutely nothing because so much of it is shallow and it's such a numbers game. I think it shows, uh, this, <laughs> this is actually, I think this is a banger of a question, but quite a good answer as well. I think it shows that anything which claims to be a shortcut or a convenience in life is often actually the opposite. No way would I have had such bad luck if I spent six years trying to maybe once every six months trying to start a conversation with somebody in public no way would i have had such uh, shallow connections with so many people if i had met somebody local and really got to know them over a few years but tinder promises convenience and in doing so it removes any level of depth from the conversation or the eventual dates and so on and it leads you to this point where actually you invest years into nothing because we're all so busy chasing shortcuts that we forget that many things are actually a journey that we need to go on rather than a corner that we need to cut. And so, yes, that is a, that's a comment about Tinder. Sure. Maybe I just have shit luck on Tinder. I don't know. That's a comment about Tinder, but that is also far more importantly, I think, a comment about life, whether it's business or your career or relationship or your fitness or your mindfulness or your skills in any area or learning an instrument or a new language or how to play a sport whatever it is in life there will be uh, there will be promises of shortcuts there will be courses there will be people trying to make money out of saying this thing is easy and then there'll be the way you actually get there which is years and years of hard work 
or years and years of investment into getting to know somebody or learning something or focusing on something. And I think over the last six years of Tinder can teach me one lesson it is that shortcuts don't exist. And that is it. That is all three of the questions. Thank you to Chaz and Kevin and Wick for asking them. Thank you to you, you, forgot to say the word you there, for listening. Um, And yeah, that's all I have for this week. It really has been a fairly uneventful week. It has been a week where not a lot has happened, but thank you for the, the questions. I enjoyed answering them. I'm not sure if they made any sense. I hope they did. And yeah, I am going to... I'm going to go and watch Hunted. Uh, If you've watched it on Channel 4, fucking wicked program. I am currently watching an episode a night of Series 2 on 4OD. And it's just so good. I love it. So I'm going to go and do that. Um, And yeah, I hope you have a good week. Thank you as always for listening. Please do share this if you think it is worthwhile. Please do leave a review in iTunes if you haven't already. And finally... If you're not already, please do click that subscribe button in iTunes or the follow button in Spotify. It just means that you're going to get these episodes a lot easier rather than having to go looking for it or waiting for me to tweet the link. And yeah, that is it. I will see you back here this time next week for episode number 22 of Life and Lessons. See you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 